So I'll begin where I always begin, which is at the end. Uh, I, I've never started to write a novel or a screenplay without knowing the ending first. That's a process that can take upwards to 18 months before I begin any actual writing. And I don't mean that I need only to know what happens at the end of a novel or a screenplay before I begin. Uh, I need to know the sentences themselves. Uh, I need to know what the words are and the atmosphere that those words convey. I need to know how melancholic a story this is, um, how uplifting or not. Um, it's like an end note to a, a piece of music. I can't imagine where the reader uh, should jump into the story if I don't know where I'm going uh, first. Uh, this is um, an aspect my wife tells me of my um, over-controlling uh, nature. But um, I am a believer in the novels of the 19th century, um, a plot-driven, character-based novel where the passage of time uh, is almost as important, or as important, as any of the major minor characters uh, in that story. The passage of time and the effects of the passage of time uh, on the people um, in that story. In the world according to Garp, we are all terminal cases. It's the last sentence of that novel, but it was the first sentence I wrote. Um, you've got to get obsessed and stay obsessed. You have to keep passing the open windows was the first sentence I wrote for the Hotel New Hampshire. Uh, but I knew it was the end of the novel. Um, it was the pep talk, the anti-suicide um, language at the um, end of what was a, a, a suicidal um, uh, novel. Uh, in the case of the Cider House Rules, it was a refrain, um, the benediction that the doctor at the orphanage uh, tells the orphans every night when he says good night. Princes of Maine, kings of New England, they're anything but. Uh, they're orphans. Nobody wanted them. Um, but he says this to make them uh, feel better. Uh, that refrains are important to me too, and uh, I've used more than uh, one of them uh, at the end of a book. Don't cry, honey, it's just Eddie and me at the end of a widow for one year. I knew that the mother, after 36 years, was going to come back, and that's what she was going to say to her daughter, who naturally would be in tears if her mother has been gone for 36 years. What I didn't know, and what took me almost 18 months to discover, is what was the first occasion for that line of dialogue to appear, because I wanted the ending to be an echo. I wanted us to have heard that line of dialogue before. Um, as in any long piece of music, as in the soundtrack to a film, as in opera, uh, which is my favorite musical entertainment, um, there are refrains. There are deliberate and conscious repetitions, something that when you hear it 175 or 275 pages later has resonance because you've heard it before. Um, uh, I've uh, not always uh, been appreciated for my repetitions, but um, uh, Believe me, they're intentional. Um, I, I do do them um, uh, deliberately. Um, in A Son of the Circus, um, I always saw that Indian-born uh, Canadian citizen, Dr. Darawala, uh, standing in the snow, um, imagining uh, the circus and the child performers in it. He's so oblivious to where he is in Toronto on a snowy night that he even doesn't hear the racial slurs that are thrown at him from a passing car. He doesn't get it. He doesn't hear his wife um, uh, blow the horn to the car. 
Um, I put this on a postcard and tacked it to the wall in front of my desk um, so that I could literally hear it while I was making my five, six-way journey to the end of that novel. Julia, who had stopped the car and was waiting for her distracted husband, honked the horn. But Dr. Darawala didn't hear her. Farouk was listening to the applause. He was still at the circus. Um, the atmosphere at the end of a novel, if I don't know what it is, how do I know I want to spend five years making that journey? If I don't know that there isn't something that is an emotional kick at the end of that story, why am I going to invest the time? The novel I've just finished took seven years. Um, that's my longest, and I hope it, I don't do that again. But <laughs> believe me, I never would have started if I didn't know that there was something um, emotionally gratifying enough at the end of the story. Why would I take the time? Um, why would I take the time? Um, at the end of the fourth hand, a man who's lost a hand and a woman who's lost a husband um, are making love in a, a, a Green Bay, Wisconsin hotel. We don't know what the future uh, holds in store for them um, or for people like them, for people who've lost things. Uh, people are always losing things um, in, in my novels, not always comically, but sometimes so. Um, uh, this ending was on another postcard uh, for two and a half years. Outside their warm hotel, the cold wind was a harbinger of the coming winter, but they heard only their own harsh breathing. Like other lovers, they were oblivious to the swirling wind which blew on and on in the wild, uncaring Wisconsin night. Um, if, if I can't hear the sentences, I don't start. I don't know enough yet about the story. I think one of the reasons that there's so much research in most of my novels, one of the reasons I become fascinated in learning about people I know nothing about, um, uh, ether-addicted abortionists in Maine orphanages in the 1930s, um, uh, children's orthopedic surgeons. I don't know anything about that, or I didn't, but becoming a student of something as a process of beginning a story, it's another way of making you wait before you start writing. You can't start this book because you don't know enough yet. You haven't learned enough about um, obstetrical gynecological surgery. You have to study it. You have to learn something about it. You have to find a doctor who will talk to you and a doctor who's going to be willing to read that manuscript and say, no, you idiot, the episiotomy doesn't work that way. You, you need an expert. And you have to become a kind of quasi-expert yourself. And that is a way, uh, it's a way of keeping myself from jumping into the story before I know as much as I can about it. The research in that way uh, is useful. Uh, my friend and fellow writer Michael Ondaatje has, has often told me the, the same thing. If you, you go off and make a student of yourself of something, you learn something you know nothing about, and it's a way of slowing yourself down. Um, I also write in longhand and uh, on an old-fashioned um, uh, typewriter. I don't want something in my life that speeds up the process of telling the story. Um, I'm not an intellectual, I'm a storyteller. I don't even think of myself as an artist. I'm a craftsman. I'm building a house. And it's the architecture of my novels, the structure of them, the overall building itself uh, that first interests me, that gets me interested in, in, in the, the, the process. The ending of A Prayer for Owen Meany was, of course, a prayer. He's dead, you know it from the opening. Um, but how he dies and why, you gotta wait. You gotta wait a long time to find that out. Uh, oh God, please give him back. I shall keep asking you. Um, 
another postcard, another thing tacked on the wall. There's another reason for all of this. Um, it isn't just um, uh, the over-controlling instinct that my wife points to. It, it's that by the time I start writing the story, I want to know everything that happens. I don't want to be distracted uh, by the question, is Alice going to see Jack again? When? Are their paths going to cross again? How long do we have to wait? I want to know all those things. I want to know everything that happens so that the story I'm telling you, it's already happened to me. I know it. It's already happened. So that all I'm thinking about are the sentences. Make them short if you want the thing to move quickly. Make them long if you want the reader to slow down, right? I don't want to be distracted from the language. All I want to be thinking about is the language, the sentences, the next sentence and the sentence after that. Are there too many of, the, of these similar sentences in, together? You know, should, should I break them up? Should I take all the sentences with semicolons and parons and dashes and spread them out a little bit? That's all I want to be thinking about. That's, I don't want to be thinking about what happens to so-and-so. I know. I know. It's already happened, and all I'm thinking about is in what order should you receive the news? What should I withhold from you, and how long? How long should I hide it? Because a part of what compels you to read a story, and most of my novels are long, and they seem to be getting longer. Um, <laughs> uh, I won't speculate as to why. Um, but you, you, um, you can't know enough before you start something. It's, a, it's another way of saying what you've all heard as, as children, and what I remember hearing as a child. Um, there's, there's really no such thing as too much homework. There really isn't. You know, you gotta love homework. You gotta love the feeling that you're prepared. Um, you know, would you walk home from a trip and say to your wife, an amazing thing happened to me at the airport if you didn't know what it was? Most of us aren't as successful pathological liars to be able to pull that one off. You probably don't start that story if you don't know the end of it, right? Well, why would you begin a novel if you don't know the end of it? I mean, I wouldn't. I know most people don't feel that way, and I'm not imposing my craft on someone else, but uh, there it is. And the, the timer went off, and I'm waiting for the gong. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's probably time for some questions from you. My name is Zach Colius, and I'm fascinated by being a writer, and I'm fascinated by what you write. But I have a question that we've been hearing kind of throughout this symposium and throughout this whole amazing event, which I'm immensely thankful that I'm here. And uh, I can't express that enough. Enough, seriously. Um, but uh, we've been hearing a lot about passion and about how important it is to have a passion. And one of the things that I find especially exciting about writers is that you can have lots of different passions and you can be passionate about lots of different things and then bring it all together into one thing which is writing and, and how you bring that all together. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that, anything to say about bringing together lots of different passions into one focused endeavor where all of your concentration and energy and feelings and everything that you have comes into one spot. Well, in my case, uh, I think I, um, I'm fortunate in that I, I don't choose what to write about. Um, I become obsessed about something to the degree that I have to write about it. So uh, there isn't much um, of the selection process that goes into that. 
Um, I don't choose my subjects, they, they come to me. And it's easy to be um, passionate about something that obsesses you, that you can't not write about. Um, it, it, in a way, uh, your motivation or your, or, or your discipline is forthcoming from the premise that you were obsessed to begin with. Uh, you, you just, um, in the case of the novel I've just finished, I've been putting it off for some time. Um, I knew it would be difficult, I knew it would be long, I knew it wouldn't make me happy to write it, um, and I wrote other novels um, before it, although this one was in mind first. But you, you, have to, um, you have to believe that if you're obsessed enough about something, and if your craftsmanship is good, uh, that your obsession will be conveyed to a reader, to an audience, as a form of compulsion. If you're obsessed, they'll be compelled to read it. Um, but you have to bring that across. Last question. I, my name is Dan Helmer. I just wanted to know how the trade craft that you were talking about for fiction, uh, we could apply to the world of nonfiction and, and the kind of technical writing that I have to wade myself through on a day-by-day -day basis, and how we could make, uh, we could teach social scientists and other scientists how to write. <laughs> Gee, you're, 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 you're taking me over my head here. Um, I can only say that it, I think it, it, it sort of speaks to um, uh, it, it speaks to my situation when, if you look at the length of my novels, most of them are, are long. They're very thick. Um, those are where the obsessions lie in my imagination. Uh, as for the memoirs I've written, um, I've written three. They're very thin. Uh, my my own life and and what has uh, caused me enough reflection to want to write about it um, is compared to my imagination totally diminished it's it's not as important to me as what I can think up um, I, I'd, I'd rather make something up um, than um, uh, think about why I am who I am uh, I, so I'm I'm kind of lost about that question sorry <laughs> can't, can't do it Thank you.